2: ESPN 1420, KPEL Lafayette, ESPN 1033, K277DQ Lafayette, a Town Square media station, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports great scott the great scott show and as they
1: head into the final furlong all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the great scott show the champion with
0: scott Prater steal the show And welcome into the Great Scott Show on a Wednesday. What's going on? How are we feeling? Up late last night? I was. Got that coffee, got the caffeine drip. Wake up. Attack the day. Enjoy it. Be grateful. Grateful to have all of you tuning in this morning. Got a great show for you today. Anthony Babineau, assistant Raging Cajun baseball coach, in studio this morning with me from 8 to 9. Looking forward to that. Garrick Rattler of the Pelicans pod going to join me at 720. We got a lot to get into this morning. NBA playoffs, UL baseball, Pell Suns, NFL draft, and more. And uh, open phone lines for some of the show, including... Right now, three three seven two six nine ten seventy seven. We'll start with the Pelicans lost last night to the Suns, and whenever the role players are having a night like they had last night, it's going to be really difficult to win. And I know, I know, a lot of Pel's fans are saying, "Man, that game was winnable. If only this. If only that. If 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 if." The Suns won the game. And that was thanks in large part to Mikhail Bridges. DeAndre Ayton was good. Chris Paul was was good. I mean, the Suns got Bismack Biombo minutes. Eight minutes. And he was zero and plus minus. <clears throat> they... Got 31 points from Mikael Bridges, who prior to last night had only had one 30-point game in his entire career. He played 47 minutes. One of the best defensive players in basketball. He had five boards. He had four blocks. He had only had one 30-point game in his entire career prior to last night. 31. He was 12 of 17. He was four for four from three-point range. I know it felt like the Suns were making every single three pointer last night. Campaign was two of three. Bridges was four of four. No one else really was great. Landry Shamet was one of three. Inspector Gadget. Jay Crowder was one of five. Cam Johnson was one of five. Ayton was 0 for two. Chris Paul was 0 for four. Couldn't hit a three pointer. That, like, It felt like they were hitting a ton of threes. They really weren't. It was just Mikael Bridges. And for a brief moment in time, campaign when the the Suns were just... When they needed a big bucket, they got it. They were desperate. They were at home. They got the win. They earned it. Saw way too much Pelicans Twitter last night in the first half whining about the refs. Refs weren't the ones turning the ball over. Was was there a few? Was there you know some bad calls in the game? Of course, there always is going to be, and that's magnified the NBA playoffs. And the Herb Jones foul on the you know when he drove in and scored, that was the offensive foul. That was it was really bad. But it there, there was there wasn't a moment where you're like, oh well, psh, good luck tonight. It drew a ton of attention going into the game because of what Monty Williams said and got fined for. But the Pelicans were sixth in the NBA. In free throw attempts this season. The Suns were 27th, dead last since the All Star break. It didn't have their best penetrator and scorer on the team, and Devin Booker, of course. And once again, last night, guess what? The Pell shot 35 free throws. The Suns shot 20. A difference of 15 in the discrepancy again, which last time the discrepancy was 42 to 15, but 10 of those were technical free throws. Because the Suns lost their composure in Game Four, so really, when you think about it, only two extra ones in a game where you know from Games Four to Five that wasn't that wasn't wasn't the story last night. From a Suns standpoint, they got big games from their role players: Bridges, Campaign, Inspector Gadget, Landry, Shamit. Whereas the Pels, C.J. McCullum? I know he's scoring a lot of points, but you say, oh, 21 points, eight boards. That's not bad. 21 points on 22 shots. He has not had a great series. Some of that has to do with the Suns' defense. Some of it is he's just not hitting his shots, especially when he gets open looks. Pels were 5-25 of 25 from beyond the arc last night were not nearly as aggressive on offense, especially in the first half. You know, they lost the first quarter by 12. They weren't, you know, bad from that point on. It was somewhat even, but they they couldn't overcome it. Anytime they would chip away, get it down a couple times, they got it down to seven, and then boom, Phoenix was there with a big shot. Jose Alvarado. Jose Alvarado was the best player last night for the Pelicans. He's not the best player on the team. Last night he had the best game. And only 20 minutes on the floor. It was great. The pest. Drawing another eight-second violation. Should have been two, by the way, because there's one in the first half that didn't get called. Why aren't they playing him more? Look, I don't understand why they're putting Devontae Graham out there. I don't. But for Alvarado, reserving that energy, knowing that Chris Paul's going to be somewhat fatigued in the fourth quarter and wanting to just... Unleash Alvarado on him. I get it from that standpoint. But you can go a little more than 20 minutes. And you shouldn't have, it does, I mean, you're basically playing Graham for a whole quarter. stud doesn't make sense. Trey Murphy didn't even attempt a field goal. There were a lot of things the Pels did poorly last night. But you got to tip your cap to the Suns. Even without Devin Booker, they're the favorite in the season, the series, and Mikael Bridges had one of the best games of his career. Now, Game Six, I think the Pelicans are going to win. I expect this thing to be back in Phoenix, Game Seven, Saturday night at either seven thirty or eight thirty. I do, and it'll be fun. But last night, you can point to a lot of different things. The Pelicans didn't do well, but you also need to point to the things that the Phoenix Suns did do well. In particular, Mikkel Bridges. DeAndre Ayton was feeling it. They played well. Pell's back in the blender tomorrow night, 6.30. Should be a pretty busy night in pro sports for Louisiana between the Pels playoff game and then the NFL draft. Saints with the 16th and 19th overall pick in the draft. Rumors of them possibly moving up. God, I hope not. They have the 49th pick in the second round, the 98th pick in the third, the 120th pick in the fourth, 161st in the fifth, and the 194th pick in the sixth round. Seven draft picks this year. Tomorrow night, we'll dig in. Garrick Rattler, friend of the program, old Louisiana and Cajun graduate, one of the hosts of the Pells pod from Nick Underhill's NOF network, New Orleans network. He will be on with me uh, in about 10 minutes. Talk a little more about the Pells game. Memphis and Minnesota. Oh, man. Ja Morant, dude just chooses violence. Minnesota cannot, at this point, God bless their fans. That's got to be tough. They just, they they hold fourth quarter leads like the Atlanta Falcons. They just, they can't hold on. They can't do it. Ja Morant hits the game winner, but it was the dunk. It was... (laughs) It was the dunk that had the internet ablaze. It was so violent. First of all, I don't even know how he jumped from where he did, got up as high as he did, but oh my God. 30 points in 45 minutes. Brandon Clark was was incredible for Memphis last night. He was, in my opinion, the biggest reason they won, along with Moran. And Minnesota's sitting there down three games to two in the series, telling themselves, God, how many we've blown multiple games in this thing. We could have advanced by this by this time. I love the animosity in this series. That's what's great about the NBA playoffs. You know, back in the day, players they didn't, you know, players on other teams didn't really know each other well for the most part. They didn't grow up playing AAU ball together. They didn't have Instagram. They didn't have Twitter. They didn't have each other's phone numbers. You weren't really buddy-buddy to begin with, and then you get to the postseason, and things would just you know get nasty, but they could get nasty in the regular season too. In today's NBA, there's a few rivalries here and there, and there's some animosity, but the regular season is more of sort of this marathon where everyone's just kind of running next to each other, and they're like, well, I'm going to try to win this race, but hey, it's good to see you, buddy. Then you get to the playoffs, and it's just wind sprints. Because once you are in a series, and you are seeing each other on a more regular basis, and you start getting the tendencies, and everything is on the line, the animosity builds. The tension builds. And I I dig it, man. I love it. I love it. ESP and Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. This is the Great Scott Show. Memphis beats Minnesota 111 109. Miami advances. They just, Miami basically did load management in a playoff series. That's how little, it's just, how serious did they take the Hawks? Um, ah, we don't need Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler. Nah, don't worry about it, guys. It's fine. I find that Trey Young, as good as he was last year in the postseason, you think of Trey Young and And you think, oh, scoring guard, get the ball in his hands, let him go to work. He is so much better in the half court. If you get him playing fast, something the Pelicans struggled to do last night. They just couldn't get their pace going. Credit to the Suns for that. You get Trey Young playing fast, he starts to play out of control a good bit. It was not a good look. And Miami, again... Least talked about team in the postseason, sitting there is the one seed. Their defense is unbelievable. They they did load management in a game that they still eliminated the competitor. They're sitting pretty. They're sitting pretty. There's no question about it. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Back back to back to Minnesota Memphis real quick. Carl Anthony Towns has been getting trashed in this series by many. First of all, he had a good game last night. Perfect at the free throw line, double-double, 28 points. Everybody's mocking this guy because he did have the corny line when he was mic'd up. We're in Minnesota now, but whatever. It was, it was fine. I did, it, whatever. He was excited. And then they blew a big lead and they came back. Last night he hits, <clears throat> you know, a big shot in the fourth quarter. They're up double digits. He gives him the – gives the crowd a little shh. Hush the crowd while up thirteen points. Big you come on. Guys do that all the time. In a big moment, big shot on the road. You might not win the game, but it's not like they were down by fifteen and he did it. The man's let the man get into the game. But this guy is getting raked over the coals and mocked up and down for talking trash while up big and then the team losing. Like, he's the only one doing it. Have Beverly talks the whole time. It doesn't matter if they're down 50. Is it smart to talk trash when you're up double digits in the fourth lead and you're the Timberwolves or the Atlanta Falcons? No, because you probably know what's happening next. But, come on, y'all. Get off the guy's back. It's the playoffs. Let the trash talking ensue. Let it continue. Drive it up. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. 103.3 on the FM dial. 14.20 on the AM. Streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. Got plenty more in store for you. Talk a little NFL draft later this hour. Talk a little Ragin' Cajun baseball on the 8 o'clock hour. Mark Emmert. His last day in uh, as NCAA president will be in 2023, and man. All of social media was ding-dong. The Wicked Witch is almost dead. Got paid $3 million to watch the NCAA.
2: Mm.
0: Let's just say he's in a thankless job, but he also deserves the criticism. Fair, Fair enough? Don't go anywhere. Eric Rattler joins us next. From the Pels pod, is this thing going seven? Can Mikhail Bridges duplicate what he did last night? Is that a one-time deal? Great Scott Show continues after this on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Back in three minutes. Don't go anywhere.
2: The one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is
1: the NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls.
2: ESPN Lafayette. ESPN Lafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. ESPN Lafayette. E to the S, to the P to the N. The best ticket in sports.
0: Welcome back into the great Scott show. I'm Scott Prather joining us now as we come back out of the break. My guy, Garrick Rattler at Garrick underscore Rattler on Twitter, co-host of New Orleans networks, hell's pod. Like many of us, he was up late last night watching the Pelicans just, fight and claw but never really be able to get over the hump they cut it to as little as seven but after that first quarter it was kind of uphill climbing and uh garrick i i know that a lot of pels fans are focusing on a lot of the things they didn't do well and i get it right but the suns last night they 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 got a career game out of a role player and he deserves credit for that i mean his defense is great but you got 31 points from mikhail bridges i mean At some point, you do have to give the opponent some credit. And Phoenix, they they played like the more desperate team last night. Um, We'll see what happens tomorrow night and potentially game seven. But what was your number one takeaway? First off, good morning. But what's your number one takeaway from last night's game
1: five? Good morning. Good morning, Scott. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Yeah, I I was up last night watching the game, and and I think that, you know, the Pelicans had, had some opportunities. Uh, they left a lot of, of points on the board at uh, the free throw line I think the number one takeaway uh, take for me uh, yesterday had to be the, the, the start, right? You know, we, we, we talked about it on our, our, our podcast about how you know, Phoenix is a is a is a team with championship aspirations, right? And you know, being two two and going back to your house—that's a sense of desperation, right? Especially without having Devin Booker, and so you knew that the the Suns were going to come out and give the Pelicans their best shot to start off the game. They wanted to make a statement. In um, 32 points in the first quarter, uh, you just dug yourself into a hole that you weren't able to to to, to dig yourself out of it. When Mikhail Bridges is having the game ha he's having and and CJ goes one for eight to the three point line. Uh, when you're trying to get out of the hole that you dug yourself into, things that can't happen. And so it was a, it was a, it, it seems as though the Pelicans are running a treadmill uh, for, for most of the game.
0: John, um, excuse me, not John Moran, Jose Alvarado uh, 20 mm-hmm. minutes last night. Um, he played outstanding. He brings the energy, the defense. There's part of me that gets, okay, look, Chris Paul, he's starting to get fatigued. Wait till you're in the fourth. It's a tight game. He's really, you know, on that last little bit of gas, and that's when you bring Alvarado to just, you know, create havoc, wear him down, because if Chris Paul can't go right, you take the head off the snake, what are they going to do? And last night they, you know, Mikhail Bridges again had a big game, and so did Aiden. But on the other hand, a little more than 20 minutes, maybe, right? I mean, I, Devontae Graham's. You know, he's played like a quarter last. He played 12 minutes and nothing against Devontae, but I think we can all see when he's on the floor. It's kind of like just hold on. Just try not to let it get the game get away from you. And, you know, to his credit, he's had some moments here and there in the series where he hit a three and he had one good game in the series. But still, it's like when you've got that kind of energy, I understand not maybe starting out the third quarter with him or, or playing him, you know, 35 minutes because you also want him to sort of have a full tank of gas because if he's not... You know, if he's playing 35 minutes, maybe he's not able to go as hard as he does. There's got to be a happy medium, though, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a tough difficult, you know, it's a difficult choice for a full degree right now. You know, Graham has had, you know, a really struggling season, shooting the body, you know, most of the season. Now, we remember the big shots that he makes, obviously. You know, there were games where, you know, remember the throw game from last month and, you know, and things like that. So he has, you know, opportunities and has shown things. But, you know, this is the playoffs, you know, and you got to make, the best decision to put the team in the best uh, opportunity to to be successful. And, you know, we see Devontae Graham come out and, you know, not only does, uh, you know, his shot making has left him a little bit, but the ball sticks to him on offense. Um, you know, they, they they attack him defensively. Uh, they, they go right at him immediately in the pick-and-rolls. And sometimes not even the pick-and-rolls, they just isolate him. And so, you know, you you, you saw a lack of energy uh, in that first half from the Pelicans until Jose was subbed in. Um, and he immediately changed the outlook and, and changed the, the intensity of the team. And that's what he does. And, and so, you know, when you have Devontae Graham out there, and, and we talked about it um, uh, on our podcast about how Willie Green uh, sometimes can both to a fault, right? You can sometimes roll with his, with his guys and, and speak into his guys to a, a sense where, you know, he, he rides with them and sometimes it doesn't work out as well. You know, we see with Devontae Grant. So, you know, obviously, we would love to see more Jose Alvarado minutes uh, in this series. Uh, I, I like what you're saying about, you know, playing him, utilizing him in the fourth. Uh, when he kind of did that in game four, uh, when he, when he kind of had Jose uh, and her picking him up full court and deploying, you know, you never knew which one he was going to have out there guarding full court um, and things like that. And so you want to see more Jose out a lot of minutes. He's earned it. Uh, he earned that that contract that he got uh, right before the playoffs started. And so you want to see him play more because what he does is he flushes Chris Paul. Uh, and, and when you flush their Chris Paul, you know, you can kind of get into the hands of the other players. You start seeing Mikel Bridges chirping and, uh, Jay Crowder chirping and, and guys kind of getting into, uh, protective mode over Chris Paul. And that, those are the kind of things that Jose Alvarado could do, but outside of just affecting him. So Jose Alvarado can actually play, right? He has. Great point guard vision. Uh, he, he makes sound decision making uh in, in the fourth quarter and things like that. And so this guy can also like really play basketball, and he seems to be the better player right now than Devonte Graham. And so uh, you know, it, it's a very difficult decision for Willie. But Jose Alvarado has shown that he has a usefulness and an effectiveness not only in the season but especially in the series.
0: ESPN Lafayette, Garrick Rattler is our guest right now at Garrick underscore Rattler. So what's the key here? I mean, you've had five games. Every one of them has had a different takeaway. I mean, I know that there have been some things that have been consistent in this series, but every one you look back at and you say, man, this was the key here or that was the key there, right? I mean, Jonas is power on the boards, his offensive play in game four, right? Lack thereof in game three. We can point to different things. There's, it's hard to get a feel for what's going to happen in game six. Obviously, home court means something, but yet both teams have won a game on the road. The blender was popping on Sunday, but I don't know, man. I mean, you, you think to game six situations, a lot of these, we see them statistically, historically, they end in game six more than they don't. Mm-hmm. How do the Pels extend this thing to game seven and then, you know, put the ultimate pressure on Because they look, this would be the third elimination game they've had. And if they have to have four, I know that's what they're gunning for, but what's the key, man. How do they extend this thing and what needs to happen in game six?
1: Absolutely. This is, this is, Back to the wall, you know, you, you, you win and your season continues, you don't and the season is over. And so going into this, this game, I, I, I like to look back at the, the weekend in New Orleans, uh, you know, and, and you can see game three and four, right? There was a stark difference. Uh, JV. JV is the is my key to this game because uh, you saw what happened in Game Three when when JV wasn't aggressive and wasn't trying uh you know to 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 score and looking to to exploit his mismatch his size and strength mismatch against DeAndre Ayton and then you saw what happened when he did it in Game Four right. Again, game five, he wasn't as active and you saw what happened then. And so I, I think that J D is a huge key, uh, to the game. Number one, uh, because he's a, he's a good offensive scorer. Uh, he can, you know, he can put the ball in the basket and put points on the board. But like I said, uh, on the podcast last week, uh, you know, JV also can start chain reactions, right? If he's out, uh, out there being aggressive, attacking, uh, playing into the body of DeAndre Ayton, uh, not only does that get him you know, files uh, opportunities to to draw files on DeAndre Ayton, uh, but it it, it it changes the way uh, you know Phoenix plays defense. And so when he does that, and you get him and in, in, in foul trouble, all uh, or, or you change the way they play defense. Now things change for for Brandon and CJ. Right now, they get open easier shots. Uh, and things like that, because of how the defense is shifting and focus uh, to J V. Now, last night, Game Five, they, they didn't really go to him early, right? They didn't. They, they, they didn't. They settled going.
0: for way too right. many long contested jumpers, and that's and before you know it, you're down double digits at the end of the first quarter.
1: Right. And, and, and JV was trying his best to kind of get involved by himself, you know, getting on the offensive boards, uh, and put back things. But I think a focus on JV um, to start the game and get him engaged early, uh, and, and get him playing downhill and into DeAndre agent's body early. Uh, that's, that'll pay dividends off, uh, for the Pelicans in the first quarter by putting up points and, and kind of keeping the pace because the Suns are going to come out with it. But secondly, uh, what it does is, um, it allows uh, uh Z to kind of be engaged in the game and, and and get himself going because you have to have uh you have to have an inside presence against this team in order in order to win. So I think Z is a big key uh to to extending this series and continuing the second season.
0: Yeah, man, they they got
1: to
0: so much about the ball stopping and not being aggressive and when you get it in the paint, it opens other things up to your point slashing. I mean, the first quarter was was awful last night. Now, look, Phoenix is good defensively. They make it difficult to get to him sometimes, but that's on Valanciunas to be more physical and get the ball. And not getting it to him early last night, they end up settling for these long shots late in the shot clock and long rebounds, Phoenix on the fast break, or turnovers, right? Talk about the lack of assists last night from New Orleans. They, that's one thing that, unfortunately, has been there the whole series. I mean, even in the games they won, they turned it over too many times. Some of that is yeah. Phoenix's defense, but to your point, man, when you get it to Valanciunas early in the paint, it opens up for the other guys to have better looks. And, be, you know, in the end, it just seems like they become more aggressive as a team throughout whenever they do that and don't wait until it's too late in the game. Now, CJ, he... You know, he's scoring a lot, but it's on too many shots in this series. right? Mm-hmm. Way too many shots. Mm-hmm. He's He is such a big key for this team if they want to push it to Game 7 because he has not had one of those games yet, Garrick, where you're like, that's the guy, right? That's the yeah. guy that they mm-hmm. traded for. That's the guy. And I, I'm not trying to downplay his leadership and the things that he means to the team. My point is, offensively, you see him whenever he's in the zone. He can get a, a shot he wants. He's able to expose the defense. That's not happening. He's taken some long shots before there's any ball movement, way too early in a shot clock. He's not driving to the paint nearly as much, and he's just not hitting those shots. I mean, it, he if CJ has a game with strong efficiency, which, dare I say, in this series he hasn't done yet, guess what? I mean, the, the pendulum can swing a little bit, but 21 points on 22 field goals, that's that's not the most efficient thing for CJ. And some of those, a lot of these points are coming later in games, maybe when they're playing catch-up. Is, is, he, is he just, is this just a bad match? Because we talk about Mikhail Bridges, right? I mean, the, mm-hmm. again, Phoenix deserves credit here. They're playing outstanding defense, but it just seems like CJ hasn't had one of those games yet in this series where you say, oh, man, you know, now now they can't just double and and constantly have two to three guys waiting on Ingram Now the Pelicans are going to make him pay. It just seems like CJ hasn't made Phoenix really pay in this series.
1: Yeah, he, he, his efficiency has has not been great. Uh, you know this this series. I think part of the reason, obviously, like you said, you want to give credit to to Phoenix. Uh, they're the number one seed uh, in the West, the number one seed uh, in the in the NBA playoffs uh, for a reason, right? And and their defense is is key. Um Mikael Bridges was a finalist for Defensive Player of the Year, and you know although he draws the uh, the, the Jay Crowder, I mean, the, the Brandon, uh, Ingram matchup a lot. Uh, there's a lot of times where he's matched up on CJ and they let Jay Crowder, uh, kind of deal with Brandon Ingram. And, you know, Mikhail is is, he's a rangy defender and, and things like that. Um, and, and CJ, CJ, he one of those guys that, you know, he's a, he plays when when he when the ball is is moving and and you know the vibes are high and everybody's passing the ball and he's able to hit you know uh, open he's a he likes to play in those type of games and so what, in the playoffs you know you get these really really tough defensive quarters um you know and 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 halves and things like that and we've known T J to hit you know shot after shot big shot maker and things like that but in, in the playoffs what happens is that they take away the thing that you do best, right? Most defenses do, um, especially against a defensive team like the team and Suns. So they take away uh, the things that you do best. And so now you see C.J. pulling up a lot and, and pulling up on contested tools and uh, and things like that, shots that we are used to him making, but everything is so sped up and, and, and played in windows in the NBA uh, playoffs. And when you, you know, when you're coming off some screens um, and, and not – not seeing the, the light of day the way you're so used to seeing, um, so you you revert to some of your bad, bad, your bad habits and pulling up on contested two pointers and contested three pointers, um, especially early in the shot clock, those are the type of things that you cannot have in the playoffs period, especially when you are a lower seed trying to upset a, a big seed, so I mean, a higher seed, so you know, CJ. Has to shoot better. He has to shoot better in order for the Pelicans uh, to extend their series. Uh, I think that again, back to the point about JV. If you get JV started and play inside out as opposed to outside in, I think that that is a a, a, a way to get CJ going, uh, to get those guys uh, off of CJ playing so so tough on, on on CJ, and that he can get some of these open shots. And I, I, you know, it, it's. CJ has been phenomenal this season. He has been exactly what the public has needed. Um, but in the playoffs, everybody has to step their game up. And CJ is not—you know—he's not excluded from
0: that. Man, those minutes to start the second and fourth when Ingram's on the bench and they're trying to run the offense through McCollum—it's just—it's—it's mm-hmm. it's been tough. It's been tough in this series. Um,
1: yeah, that. Uh, and, and also, I think, Scott, I think just—I think one thing also that that <laughs> they have gotten into, uh, on CJ is that CJ's being asked to be a, a primary ball handler, right, when when Brandon Ingram is out. He's asked to kind of initiate offense and things like that, where, as CJ, we've seen his his career, there's always been a dame next to him, right? There's always been a guy to kind of get the, who, who's ball dominant and set CJ up and, and and for CJ to search. And CJ stepping into his playmaking role has been, you know, this season. But, again, in the playoffs, those are the types of things, like if you aren't comfortable doing that, if that's not something that you are, you know, you made to do or something you're absolutely comfortable doing, it will be exposed. And you're starting to see that a little bit with these turnovers and rush shots early in the shot Like I think that has a little bit to do with it as well.
0: ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Yeah. Um... Final thing for you. Garrick Rattler has been our guest at Garrick underscore Rattler uh, at Pell's pod. If you want to follow it there, he and his brother do an amazing job on that podcast covering the team. Um, Again, giving a ton of credit to Phoenix, right? Um, Mikhail Bridges last night, 47 minutes, 31 points. He'd only scored 30 once in his career. He hadn't had a game where he had four blocks in a postseason game. His defense, he's just, he's, I mean, he's, he played really well, right? Who's Mm going to be the role player, and I don't consider JV a role player now, who's going to be the role player in Game 6 if New Orleans wants to extend this to Game 7? Who's the role player for New Orleans that has to have, maybe not the the kind of performance Bridges had last night, which was outstanding, but needs to have one of those games where they're at home and you're like, you know what, in home games, role players usually do better, and this is going to be their moment.
1: Yeah, I I think we're going to see more Jose Alvarado minutes uh i think you know we, we willie is smart enough uh, of, of a coach to, to notice when things are happening. We've seen uh, Garrett Tipple go from playing heavy minutes to not playing at all. Um, and, and so, you know, we've seen Jackson going into the starting lineup, things like that. We've seen him able to make adjustments when they need, uh, need to be made. Now, sometimes they take maybe take a, a, a little too long for felicity fans to, you know, like him, but he does make those adjustments. I think we feel, uh more Jose minutes. And, I you know, I think, Emboldening Jose to be the point guard next to CJ when Bi is not uh, on the court, and letting Jose run the run the point guard duties uh, instead of CJ. Just letting CJ get set up and, and setting him up into to better shots and things like that. I think we're going to see a lot of Jose. Another guy that I'll, I'll be looking for really uh, would be Trey Murphy. Uh, Trey has hasn't has had you know the, the huge game or like the, the three in a role, of, you know, the thing that we know uh, Trey to do, uh, he hasn't had that game yet, so I think being at home uh, with, with your backs on a lot, I think everybody has to pretty much go everything at the wall that he sticks, uh as, as far as Willie Green go, and so I think that you're going to see a lot of Trey, uh, some Trey Murphy minutes, and he's he's. I talked about his irrational confidence on our show and, and things like that, um, and, and this team, part of being a young team, it, it has good things and bad things, obviously. The, the bad aspect is the, the turnovers, the young, you know, the not being able to consistently bring it every game. But there are some things that are good, and I think that being so young uh and, and not really knowing the you know the, the the intensity of the moment now really you basically you're too young to know what's really happening right now. And so I think those guys that play free. Uh we've seen those guys uh like the, the rookie the rookie class play free um and, and those guys step up in big moments where you don't usually see rookies do. So I'm looking for Jose and Trey to kind of bring that energy uh and, and shot making from Trey Murphy uh to kind of propel the the, the, the Pelicans into a game seven.
0: He's gotta shoot it. They need to get him looks and he's gotta shoot it. I mean he didn't attend- Attempt a field goal last night. Got to the yep. line one time. He's got to let it rip. Uh, game six tomorrow, six thirty at the Blender. Hopefully a game seven. And
1: Thank paint. gosh for six
0: thirty Yeah, man. I, I, yes, yes. Although I'm, I'm <laughs> I, I go, um, I go on a retreat once a year, and it happens to start like Thursday night. Um, I won't mm-hmm. be on my show Friday, and it's supposed to start around eight thirty. So like, I'm, I'm gonna be like. Yeah, I'm gonna be working hard to get the start time. Push back maybe 30 minutes. So I gotta, you know, I don't know if I have to sneak the phone and uh, and then when it ends, you know, get right with God. But I, you know, you got to do what you got to do, right, Garrick? I mean, come on, it's the playoffs. I'm-
1: I got mad at it, right? It's just a play on everything has to come up with the tool belt, all the tricks, all of the the all the things. You have to get like Jose Alvarado on the baseline with the start sounds, guys. Got to figure it
0: out, man. Uh, but it's funny. It's finally at 630, and it's a night where I'm like, oh, the, finally, finally it happens whenever I don't need it to happen, and I've been begging for <laughs> it all serious as I'm up late at night. Uh, you know, lagging the next day. You guys go give Garrick a follow at Garrick underscore Rattler and uh, at Pellspot as well, and you can check out everything they're doing over there as part of the New Orleans.network and what Nick Underhill and the guys are doing. Garrick, appreciate it, man. All the best, and uh, we'll talk to you down the line, all right?
1: Thank you so much, Scott.
0: You got it. Good stuff from Garrick. Good guy. Garrick, man, back when he was at UL, started doing stuff with in a Katie and a game back in the day, way back in the day. It's been cool catching up with him as he has uh, been back in New Orleans for a while and working his way into the media game, among other things. When we come back, the draft. The draft. Finally. Now, I've heard multiple draft pundits, analyst Daniel Jeremiah, Mel Kuyper, all these guys say... You know what? The inbox is always flooded for the draft, right? But it's a little, little lighter than normal this year. And the biggest reason why? They all gave the same answer. What is it? I'll tell you next. Don't go anywhere. This is the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports.
2: you my friend i'm glad i did this test on you the friendship test what you got the best seat in the house espn lafayette espn lafayette.com and the espn lafayette app (laughs) move
1: me
0: Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Anthony Babineau going to be in studio in the eight o'clock hour. Number of emails. Derek says, Scott, the Pelicans blew that game last night. Quit giving Phoenix credit. Uh, come on, Derek. Don't be ridiculous. That's a ridiculous email. they will give Phoenix credit. Mikhail Bridges scored 31 and played his. Uh, off on defense all night. Pels missed a ton of looks. They didn't get into the paint early. Come on. Phoenix won the game. Troy Dibido. says, you act surprised the Suns beat the Pels in Phoenix? Uh when did that act surprised? Did I say I was surprised? It says, how long will you troll the Falcons, by the way? Uh, the answer to that question, Troy, is forever. Forever. No doubt. In just a few minutes, why the NFL draft has a little less buzz than normal, according to all the, quote, big-time draft pundits. They all gave the same answer, I'll tell you in a minute. But right now, phone lines are open at 337-269-1077. Let's head to the phone lines. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Hello.
2: Uh, I took offense to uh, what you said about me at the hung up yesterday. Uh, you said I was a hater?
0: i If I did, yeah, I guess you were being a hater when when was hater this? on
2: how, how how am I hating who, who, matter of fact, what team am I hating,
0: dude, you were sending emails constantly hoping the pelicans got swept, and then you called and you were like, oh yes, no, I mean, I'm just hating. rooting for Phoenix, and I called you a hater
2: that's the, but that's not hating
0: all right, i mean the, I, the semantics pelicans, i felt I'm i felt like you Phoenix. I felt like you were being a hater
2: in that regard <laughs> look man if uh once again man, um if If people would actually listen to what I'm saying I, I never took offense to uh, i mean I never took a shot at any of the um pelican players matter of fact, I think uh Brandon Ingram is playing phenomenal in this uh series now I know yesterday he kind of you know hopefully hopefully he's all right, you know what I'm saying'cause I he jammed, he jammed he jammed his some,
0: fingers he said he's gonna be all right. he said he'll be fine. we'll see he jammed the number okay,
2: three. and I know he had a bad spill too on his lower back so uh, like I said, I, guess, I know Alvarado. He's a pest, but at the same time, you know, I, he, he's playing nice defense. You know, defense he's getting allowed to get away with, <laughs> but he, hey, he, he's, he's doing his job. Man. And um, but I really think, me saying that they're going to lose the next two games, and I think that Phoenix is going to close it out uh, Thursday. Um, that's not actually hating. No, but.
0: that's not. That's not. That's not you being a hater at all. Hoping they get swept, and you know. Like, taking joy yeah, or but, but being, being upset okay. when Pelicans fans are celebrating, like, enjoying their moments. That's when it comes because across know, as being a you. hater. Because that's because when I it comes – you saying you think – look, I think Phoenix is going to win the series. I agree with you. I mean, I – that's not that's not why I called – that's not why I said you were being a hater. Because you pick Phoenix. Yeah,
2: like I said, man, like, you know, I – in, 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 and look, I don't, I don't yeah. think,
0: I don't think in general you're. I was just talking specifically about this series and what you had sent me. I don't, I don't think you're that way in general or most of the time. I mean, people call me a hater a lot. It is what it is. It's just sports.
2: Yeah. Well, let me uh, go my, so, somewhere on my phone, man. I can't, I can't hear you, but I can hear you. But um, yeah, man, uh, this draft. Man, I think Saints going to go uh, o line. I think that's a safe pick. Um, I wouldn't have a problem with it, and thing.
0: yet you and I both know fans will cry and moan about it if they take an old lineman. But I it, do it. People, I, people are giving this look. Hurst was okay last year. People are acting like he's just oh, left tackle is set. You're good, man. If you can get an elite starting tackle in the draft that can start for five years before their rookie contract runs out, I would I would do it nine times out of ten.
2: No, uh, the guy from uh, Georgia. Um, you said that he's falling, like in some of the, yeah, yeah, the mock drafts. Yeah,
0: a bunch of the mock drafts, he's falling.
2: But, but, um, you know, that was a guy who used to work for your station. Uh, and he had a, uh, you know, look, look at, look at some of the Georgia players in the past on defense. Look at don't uh, know Charles Grant was kind of he was all right. Um, he was but, good. George, everyone he was always good. mentioned Jonathan Sullivan.
0: Okay, Jonathan Sullivan was a huge draft bust, but that was twenty years ago.
2: Yeah, I know, but you know how it is, man. You know how people. It's kind you know what's so funny about that. Growing up, I know it's a different time. I know it's a different, you know, media, whatever is hyper. Vinny Testaverde threw over thirty picks right <clears throat> with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers one year. You know what? I'd never heard anyone just keep going back to it. Well, you know, he did throw thirty picks in that year. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He like, threw pick. I mean, that we guy. still here. Well, you know, James threw thirty. Well, yeah, he did. But Jam- you know what? Jameis and like,
0: Testaverde actually, I I never even thought about some of the similarities there. Talk about guys that just both went to Tampa Bay and just threw it to the other team a lot, but um,
2: but yeah, I don't know, like like dude, I,
0: vinny I remember like I think part of it, I, you're not wrong, but part of it is like we just there's so much more access to sports talk now. Like when I was growing up, everybody that I ever heard talk about vinny Testaverde called him In- Intercepted like that was his nickname. I mean, I. My my thoughts on Vinny Testaverde until late in his career, when he was like in Baltimore and his one his one good year with the Jets, is that the guy yeah. just throws picks all the time. Like that's what he was. That's that was that was who he was to me growing up. Anyway.
2: Yeah, man. I heard you uh, one more thing, I heard you talking about Big Dave yesterday, uh, man. You know what's the craziest thing, man. And it's, every time I think about it, man, I regret. Um, you know, I caught listening to Big Dave. I caught him at the uh, tail end. You know, at least five within five years of his passing. Um, but Scott, the craziest thing, man, and I did not notice until uh, until I talked to his co host, uh, one day because I was like listening to Big Dave. I'm thinking, myself, man, I'm talking to him, it's not like I talked to this man before. And I did not remember, man, Big Dave had a show on a radio station, a local station, now this doesn't exist, KJCB. Um, and He had a sports show. I used to call in on that show, man. That's I was in tenth grade in high school <laughs> right, in nineteen ninety four, and I didn't. Hey, I did not know that because you know the guy. The, the guy's voice was like real high pitch, and of course, you know Big Dave' voice is still kind of high pitch, but I couldn't really tell the difference. And then I, I was like, "Wait, hold up!" Because this guy was like, "I got worried Gun coming in," like like the way he was talking. I love I'm like, it, man. Who is this? And I I used to listen to this show every Thursday, like on and off for like two years, man. And that, and to come to find out, like I said, I talked to Bandit. He said, yeah, that, that, that's Big Dave. Big Dave had a show. <laughs> that's awesome. Man, I, I, that's one thing I regret, not asking him, not talking to him about that, man. Because uh. that that was my first experience calling in on a, a live talk show. And that was in 1994.
0: Love that guy, man. No, thanks for sharing that. That's, that. Crazy, that's right? really cool. I didn't know that either. I mean, I just, Big Dave, yeah, when Bannon I started was... working here, he and Bandit had just started here like shortly before I got here. So I just kind of knew him as... You know, their their games on on Friday night and then the the uh the show on Sunday and then he asked me to do some high school basketball games with him back in like I don't know, 05, 06. and I just had a blast, man. It was he was awesome.
2: Hey, I remember when I first met him, man, I was on <laughs> I was on location in Brobridge. I first met him and then we talking get this, let's go. I'm like okay. <laughs> He was just bossing me around, but it, but it was cool though, man. It was uh, it was all love, you know. He just met me five minutes, and already I'm, I mean, he put me to work. But I, really? but it was cool though, man.
0: Thanks, Jake.
2: Um, and it's crazy, man, because I think I remember talking to you the day after he passed, man, at the festival. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You and the guy from Houston, the guy that had that. Yeah, show, Seth Johnson.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Golly, man, eight yeah. years flies by.
2: Yes. As well. But look, Scott, nice hearing
0: from you. Now you have a good one. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate the call. Appreciate the call. Georgia players. Yes, there have been some Georgia players that bombed in the NFL, but there've been some D tackles that have done well. Geno Atkins, I know he's it's much later in his career, but a couple of all pro seasons from him back in the day. He's been in the league over a decade. I, there are a lot of people, a lot of mock drafts, rather, that have Jordan Davis still on the board and the Saints not selecting him. I got no way. this dude. He's got got Gata-type nose tackle potential because he can collapse the pocket, he can rush the quarterback, and he moves like he's 250 pounds, not 340 pounds. Just, I don't know, man. Oh, what about his run defense? What talents like that? Sign me up. Why Why is the draft have slightly less buzz this year? Everyone's they're still going to draw tons of viewers. People going to be watching. It's because of the quarterbacks. It's because of the quarterbacks. Daniel Jeremiah, Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, all of them. I haven't talked to Emory. I. Love to, but I probably might agree. Guys that cover, the, cover it for a living. I mean, Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, two QBs that could go in the first round but aren't definitive top five, top ten picks. Maybe one goes in the top ten. Drafts that have multiple quarterbacks where there's going to be a run for quarterbacks and they're going to go early. Those have been the ones with the most buzz. And this year, you just don't have it. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Coming up next, Anthony Babineau joining me in studio. Got a number of things to get into with him. A little college baseball, Raging Cajun baseball, RPI watch. Memories of RPI watch. How coaches approach it as well. Two weeks with no midweek games long road trips. A lot to get into. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues right